Hello, you're listening to That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga we find interesting, also known as the OverMangaCast. I'm Sam, and this week we read My Hero Academia by Kohei Horikoshi, chapters 1 through 44, the Sports Festival Arc. If you're avoiding spoilers, now you know where to stop listening. And without further ado, let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and this week we read My Hero Academia, the smash hit, literally smash hit. Ha, that's a joke. We read chapters one through 44, getting all the way through the sports festival. As from my experience with Hero Aka, I watched the first three seasons of the anime and enjoyed it immensely. And I haven't gotten to watching anything beyond that because I'm very lazy, but I was already a pretty big fan of Hero Aka before going into this. So I was pleased to read the manga. Next up, Matt. Matt here. I am really only familiar with My Hero Academia by having the dub play streaming on in the background while I worked on other things. So I am familiar with people shouting people's names and occasionally explosions happening. So effectively, this was uh, completely new territory for me. All right, Jake. I also have watched through the third season of Hiroaka, the anime. So I was pretty familiar with the material want to watch the rest of it, but I have this bad habit of being scared that things I really, really love will disappoint me and avoiding watching it. I really need to stop excuses to not continue watching and reading it is hopefully going to be that for me. This is the first time I'm actually reading it, so something of a different experience. And Jay. Jay here. So the extent of my knowledge of my hero was... I would say first couple of episodes and I'm probably in the minority here, but I was not too taken by some of some of the drawing, the art style. It just was not my cup of tea. So I kind of backed away from it, did not, you know, indulge any further. But Hiroaka came up on our reading list. And so I decided to take the plunge. And this is my, you can honestly say my first read through. First time ever been avoiding spoilers is a fresh take. Avoiding spoilers with this series is a real feat, I gotta say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just for how popular it is. Yeah. Even just down to the memes with, you know, you say run goes with everything. Starting off, I gotta say, biggest difference between the anime and the manga and my like one and only complaint for reading the manga. I don't have the banger soundtrack just leaping out of the pages at me. There is something about You Say Run. The joke about it going with everything, it's built to go with everything because it's a theme from a shonen show, so it basically goes with any fight where the hero is the underdog. There is an energy that is missing from especially some of the early stuff. And when we start doing the specific arcs, I I can say more what I mean about that. But like, you do really feel the the music being missing as someone who's watched the anime first. That was something that I definitely noticed as well. Speaking of getting into specific things, starting with the entrance exam arc, where we are introduced to everyone's favorite green boy, Izuku Midoriya, better known as Deku. I am curious, because Jacob and I are already established fans of the anime. Matt, Jay, what did you guys think of the portrayal? 
portrayal of the various action scenes in the manga. And particularly, I'm curious about what you guys think of All Might and his shenanigans of strength. Well, All Might is just, he feels like he's literally an American comic book character who happens to just be in shonen manga, <laughs> considering he's drawn completely differently. He's drawn in a different style. Which is apparently diegetic, and that yeah. takes me out every time. I gotta say, the fourth wall breaks were weird for me. I I can't say I liked them. This manga does it a lot, too. It refers to the fact it is a manga. You get a lot of scenes in this of background characters remarking to the action, and they're almost never serious. Yeah, it's funny because we're coming out of this after reading One Punch Man, which is similarly a very comedy-heavy superhero manga, but I felt like Hiroaka, despite you know, being more focused on, you know, the art of becoming a hero and getting into what it means to be a hero rather than, you know, Saitama starting out as the best hero already. I feel like even though this was like way sillier <laughs> than One Punch Man, though I suppose one a lot of One Punch Man's comedy is the fact that it, it takes everything so seriously right up until it doesn't. The difference between One Punch Man and Hiroaka in terms of taking itself seriously is the joke in One Punch Man is in-universe, it's all taken 100% straight-faced seriously with no exceptions, but the audience knows that it's stupid, silly, and absurd. Whereas for Hiroaka, the audience is supposed to take it entirely seriously, but there's something inherently absurd about a lot of the things that go on. There's a character whose superpower is there are jet engines in his legs that doesn't make any sense, but... The characters and their arcs are are treated from an audience perspective more seriously than One Punch Man does basically anything. I think we could take it one step back. That's the fact that in this world that humanity has kind of evolved to where these things called quirks or inherent superpowers having kind of ingrained themselves in the general populace. It's more widespread than I would say even than One Punch Man. I mean, One Punch Man is kind of similar where, yes, people have kind of manifested these powers, but it's more widespread in My Hero to the point where what some, I don't remember the statistic, maybe 80 or 90 percent. It was 80 percent, I think. 80 percent of the population has these quirks. So as we are exposed to, it's actually super rare for you to have no quirk. So actually, when uh, we get to that scene where Deku is told he's quirkless and it it's a thing that happens to 80% of the population, I misunderstood that initially. And I'm like, oh, cool. So like 5% of Deku's class should also be quirkless. Why is he such an outlier? No, apparently it's the entire population. So most of that is concentrated in the older generation. It becomes a little more clear later on, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which really got uh, nailed home, man. Like, why are they treating Deku so bad for not having a quirk when it's apparently 20% of people don't have quirks? By Deku's generation, which is like the fourth generation of people having quirks, at that point, it is a freak of nature moment. That's something you'd expect like your three greats grandparent to be like, I remember back when there were none of these superpowers. They even flash back to the fact that the Olympic Games is a shadow of itself because what do you do when everyone has superpowers? Mm -hmm. There's no point of having Olympians, you know, showcasing their extreme strength, endurance or whatever, because that's, you know, the standard it's now. Like, with regards to the Olympics, like, do you allow people like Ida to be in sprinting events 
then it's just a quirk show. And if you don't allow quirks, you're removing the vast majority of the population at that point. And either way is inherently unfair to one of the two groups, either the, those with quirks or those without it. It is sort of interesting that like you can see the shift and the absurdity of the society to some extent is like that that's the world that those people live in. It's not like the X-Men, which Hirowaka draws pretty heavily from. They're the mutant population, which... Mutants are basically people with quirks, stroke quirks are mutant powers. But the thing about Hirawaka is it was so rapid onset in the population so quickly that there wasn't really time to develop a prejudice against them, you know, race allegory kind of thing. People like talking super about how, oh, there's a supervillain on the highway. I can't get to work on time. Like that's a normal that, thing in that world. That That's literally in the first page where mm -hmm. um, Mount Lady and Kamui Woods are fighting some giant shark dude. I, he's just a giant villain as far as I know. That also brings up, I think in those first couple of pages, we also get background characters explain the state of this world is that the only people allowed to use their quirks are superheroes, if I understand correctly? Well, I it, would it, say allowed to use your quirks in any type of large-scale capacity. I'm pretty sure, like, behind closed doors, people use their quirks. It, this is explained a little later in the series, but it's more like quirk use for combat is regulated to heroes. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what if, I'm getting at. So if yeah. you had, like, a quirk that allowed you to fly, you could still fly to work? Fly to work and yeah. fly back. Yeah, you were allowed to do that. Another one is if you have a quirk that's, like, electricity, based you could work for a power plant and like generate electricity for a city one of the characters again this is later on but it's not an important plot point there it's mentioned that people who have like quirks that could be used for like utility work they can make loads of money off of that no one's gonna come busting down the door when midoriya's mom uses it's her, her, her telekinesis for, yeah i comes breaking in mrs midoriya what are you doing <laughs> I just dropped a spoon and I didn't feel like bending over. You know the rules. <laughs> but um, hey, yeah, I watched that Dojin. Wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on, we um, haven't got we haven't gotten to the waifu corner yet. We haven't even gotten to Deku yet, really. We we yeah, just barely introduced true. him. My feelings on Deku are: I really enjoyed him in this first chapter. He's everything you want in a shonen protagonist. He's a loser kid who wants an impossible dream and is a good person at heart because we see despite the fact that he gets bullied relentlessly by um his childhood friend bakugo is really gotcha is really the the face of all the bullying but it's also made clear it's the rest of the students in the class and even the teachers which kind of just gets this whole thing of it's not just bakugo who thinks he's a lo loser who should kill himself for having a power which is a quote from bakugo who just such a jerk but it's really the society as a whole looks down on deku for not having a quirk and that is very clear and i really like that character arc which makes what happens next just such a blow to me liking deku because i liked him before he met all night so that actually gets into something that i wanted to talk about which is something that's important about the way that Hirowaka works is it's framed as like being Deku's memoirs, which, you know, there comes up the how did you know about the parts you weren't there for moment, but setting that aside. And at the end of the first chapter, he says, oh, that's right. This is the story about how I became the strongest hero. The first chapter slash the first two episodes of the anime 
in my opinion, are high art. They make me cry every freaking time. There is just something so cathartic about All Might saying, you can be a hero. Because mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, he's not just talking to Deku, he's talking to anybody who has a dream, who, who wants something more than they can describe in words, and having the pinnacle of whatever that dream is saying to you, your dream is valid, you can do it. Mm -hmm. There's such catharsis there, and that is high art. But then the big issue is, do you have Deku be the Batman of that universe where he gets by with wits and gadgets? Or do you do what Hirawaka did, which is very shonen? Yeah, All Might chooses him as a successor. All Might's superpower, one for all, allows him to, for one, build up super duper strength just power enough to change the weather with the force of his blows which is all the feat i always go back to with describing how completely insane all might is i mean he, he also creates he, a tornado at one point that spins buildings. Uh, yeah <laughs> not only that it is a quirk designed to be passed on and this is the part where sam compares everything to exalted it is like a solar exaltation in that it is passed from one great hero to another to go on and do new amazing deeds with which is unusual for quirks that should be noted that is yeah. something that is completely unheard of otherwise like all quirks are unique but they are genetic features of an individual person you're not supposed to be able to pass on your genes literally to a person that's already alive that way mm -hmm. yeah and we should go into saying that essentially in this universe you develop or your quirks become pronounced when you're around four years old i believe yeah um, and then mm -hmm. once they have presented themselves not only does 80 plus percent of the population have quirks there is a registry for quirks so once your quirk manifests, you are then registered under, I have an electric type quirk. I have a fire type quirk. I have super strength quirk. I have on and on and on. And so in this society, it's not just socially stratified. It's also administratively stratified. Yeah, you are a statistic of an anomaly within the population, all within three or four generations. It's really interesting. Which is why what happens to Deku in that All Might picks him to be a successor just hurts so bad because the story then isn't someone who realizes this system of saying whatever like intrinsic power you're born with is what makes you good. Oh, no, it's someone who wanted to be a hero and worked really hard at it. Yeah, and that's that. another thing, because even in the early chapters of All Might, even All Might at first has his doubts. He's like saying, you need to accept reality. You don't have a quirk. And it's through his selflessness in saving his friend from the mud monster that he says, actually, this guy, this kid has potential. This kid, I want to make my successor. What he was the one who did not hesitate. He was the one that even as the other heroes sat around and, you know, waited for, oh, we need someone with this particular quirk to help neutralize this enemy. No, he just said, I see my friends in trouble. I got to go. I, I can't wait. I got to go. And... And and that's the essence of heroism is is spontaneously doing the right thing. That's what spurs All Might, in my opinion, to actually say, you know what, you can be a hero because All Might does not automatically say 
you can definitely be a hero. He has his doubts because he's like mm-hmm. acknowledging that the society is unfair. Our society is very skewed in, in favor of those who inherently have quirks that you're just a fanboy. You cannot be a hero. And then he sees the true essence of heroism that he does not hesitate, that he actually says, you know what? I don't care if the odds are stacked against me. I don't care if I don't have the quirk. So, I have to get in there. Somebody have has to do, to do something. something. It might as well be me. Yes. And actually, it's not just if you have a quirk or not, it's how good your quirk is. The very first line of the series is, all men are not created equal. Some people have more power than others. And that's an important aspect of Hiroaka as a whole. In a lot of ways, the hero society and the quirks, the idea is someone who has a quirk like, say, Bakugo's, where he can summon explosions from nothing, it makes sense for him fighting villains because he has a quirk that's well suited to that. Alternatively, there's a background character. His quirk is pulling his eyeballs out of their socket and being able to move them around. That's not very good at fighting bad guys. Yeah. So him well, being well, in the being a hero is not necessarily a good idea. But the thing that makes uh, Deku special and different is that the spontaneity, everyone was waiting for the optimal person with the optimal quirk to come by. And if they just kept waiting for the right person, Bakugo would be dead. Bakugo would be dead. (laughs) So it's not like Hero Society isn't entirely wrong, but it's so focused on optimization and everyone fitting in their right place in, in this mechanical hole. Which that, has its place. I mean, obviously, yeah, you want exactly. that's well-rounded. Yeah. But, but, but there when are it comes like, down to the minute, you really you need to do something. There what is several, that point? There, there are several examples throughout the series of why that rigid mode of thinking is super unhelpful. The first one, talking about optimization, is Todoroki. I, I think universally uh, we can agree that he is best boy. Um, he is best! <laughs> yeah. And um, the other one on why just thinking about quirks that have a big physical impact being useful is incorrect is Shinso. Oh, yeah, he's another best boy. They directly call that out, too. Um, yeah, both in the same arc. You can tell certain characters are more aware than others, and I'm going to save the big thing, but Aizawa is a character that you know he sees that for whatever benefits their current society has, it has limitations and weaknesses that need to be corrected. Tearing down the entire social structure is not the right thing to do, which is why the villains are the villains. But society has something inherently built into it that is wrong. Someone like Deku doesn't really care about that, who's going to dream his big dreams regardless. Or someone like Azawa, who is willing to take a hard look at the good and the bad without saying, oh, well, that's just the way things are. For All Might, when he first meets Deku, he dismisses Deku out of hand. You don't have a quirk. It's not worth even considering. Yeah, like not even All Might is immune from this. But when he sees Deku commit to an act of spontaneous, genuine heroism, it reminds him of who he is and spurs him to action. And you see like All Might as a character starts to realize there's something wrong with society and Midoriya is potentially a part of what could change that. So before we get too far afield, I do want to circle back to what Matt said that kind of started this whole little tangent. Tangent. Matt, you were saying along the lines of Deku, you didn't like that he was, you know, suddenly given this immense power. Like that cheapens the story that we just spent a bit of time going over that 
I think the character I would have preferred be the main character is someone who doesn't have a quirk and wants to go against all of this system. You Going would rather in, Deku be Batman, basically. In other I, words, you are kind of wanting him to not have gotten, and what I'm hearing at least is you would have preferred him to continue to persevere as the quirkless. Yeah, I, I think I think that struggle is meaningful because currently the story I'm reading after the first couple of chapters I really enjoyed was, hey, what if this kid who really wanted to be a millionaire, what if he won the lottery? Cool. That's not that's not a story about someone working their way up, like doing good business. He got everything he needed handed to him. Now, obviously, he needs to work to understand his quirk. But the thing is, so does literally everyone else who wants to go to UA. Everyone in that school had to work hard. Everyone like, had to do everything. He just got infinite he, superpowers handed. He just to got him. like icing on the cake. Yes, everyone had to study. Everyone had to get good marks and everything. He just lacked the oomph, the power behind it. And now that he got that last icing on the cake, he's you know essentially in the same boat as everyone else. I wouldn't call that icing on the cake. I would call I, one for all the entire cake. And <laughs> he is anyone where, could have been given one for all and would have excelled to the top. It's an incredibly powerful quirk, which is part of the problem with the society's whole as we went over. People who but, have really good quirks are who get to go to UA Academy. Though because, I will say one thing that I will disagree on, because I do feel like the story could have been equally, if not more so interesting, if Deku had been a Batman type character who has to use his wit and potentially gadgets. I feel like uh, a character like the, the support girl may may hatsume may. Yeah. Um, hey, may, may. i feel like characters like may basically open the potential that yeah i kind of feel like maybe deku shouldn't have gotten one for all or that i guess a better way of putting it is in that version of the story one for all doesn't exist all might's just super strong one thing that i think is an important distinction he did not win the lottery deku did not win the lottery he didn't get one for all because he was lucky he earned it and i make that point because one thing that Deku regularly says of himself is that I didn't earn what I have. I was just lucky. Every time Deku ascribes his achievements to luck, he's wrong. The reason All Might saw him as a potentially worthy successor of One for All wasn't because Deku happened to bump into him one day. It was because Deku did the right thing in the right moment when no one else would. And, and I also think this is supplemented by the fact that he had that notebook. He put the work in to know what quirks worked with what. He was very strategic about everything. And the fact that he had that entire training montage going on with All with Might. The cleaning like, the beach, yeah. Yeah, he put the work in for this one for all it's not oh this kid just happened to be bestowed by some stranger quote unquote that he ran into oh now i have powers now he actually put the work in with essentially a complete stranger who was inspired by you know his initiative and his desire to really do what was right and he said okay i mean at first all my kind of brushed him off as being a fanboy he said it several times he's just like mm -hmm. oh you're just a hero fanboy you're just a hero fanboy and you know if you really want this you got to work for it and he did it join, i don't remember. yeah join the cops uh that's a fine profession is one yeah but you know what he put in i don't know how many months like what was it three months before Ten, really. 10 okay. months he put in the work and it's like yeah you really earned this kid I mean, he's not just a fanboy. He would have copped out like with the first month or two. He actually did it.
Here's the thing. I'm going to say, as brings us well into the entrance exam arc, where we get to see everyone who wants to go to UA, which is basically the school you go to to be a major hero. Everyone who goes to who, like, makes it past the preliminary exams to get to that school has put in the work. Like, I'm not saying he lucked in that way. I'm saying... That's what it makes it sound like as he just got lucky. I'm saying he put in the work that everyone else had to. I do see what you're saying, Matt, and I don't entirely disagree. It's just there's an important distinction because the story actually calls it out. It's not that he got lucky. And one of the things... Let Matt say what he wants to say. I, I agree with that, but I think narratively the story kind of wavers whether or not because i think it's easier to point out in specific instances as we go through the arcs but i think the narrative itself kind of wavers on whether or not deku like if he's a good hero because of one for all and if he can control it he'll be a good hero or if deku's a good hero because he puts in the work and is good at everything else and is just using the weapon he's been given i think Mm -hmm. that there's a later point that we'll get to that i think is a a major thing with regards to that point but like one thing that i have always said about my hero academia from my first experience with it has been something along the lines of what you're saying is a part of me really wishes that one for all wasn't like didn't exist and that deku became a strategy and gadgets based hero because a lot of heroes do use gadgets and having deku be quirkless and get by with having the right tools for the job and using his knowledge and quick thinking and having him live in a quirk society without a quirk, I think is a direction that the story could have gone. I personally like One for All as a power for a lot of reasons, but it's the opportunity cost. Do you make the story more shonen jump or do you double down on like Deku's character conceit? I mean, in all fairness, just knowing where the story goes, I don't think you could have made the same story with Deku being a, like a Batman type quirkless, because I think that would require a much deeper character, which means you couldn't have just the vast cast of side characters that is clearly important to the story yeah. it ends up being about. And I think that's a good transition point to get into UA and class 1A because we have the entrance exam where after Deku does his 10 months of training, beefing himself up to become a proper vessel for one for all, because uh, that's the thing. This quirk is so incredibly powerful that if you if you're not tuned for it, you will rip yourself into teeny tiny pieces. I'm always reminded of Halo Fall of Reach, where the Spartans first received the Malonia armor. Uh, they're shown a video of them testing the Malonia armor and just a human, a regular human, but you know, this really trained soldier gets put in it. The armor reacts and enhances his movements so much that just by lifting his arm, it shoots his arm up and breaks it. And his pained spasms cause more extreme movements that basically shake him apart. And like, that's what one for all does if you're not ready. So uh, Deku, putting in the work to be ready to uh, use the power and even then he's still not freaking ready when he goes into the entrance exam it just won't instantly kill him the first example after seeing uh, all might detroit smash the mud monster we see the first example of deku's amazing power and what ends up being the conceit for pretty much the entire series when he goes to save Araraka from the zero point foe villain clench your butt cheeks kid and scream it from the depths of your heart smash 
and now he's got a broken arm and two broken legs and is falling. <laughs> this is a bit of a side note, but just something that I want to mention because it was something I noticed immediately. If anyone out there is someone who has watched the anime and wants to move over to reading the manga, be aware the beginning's kind of rough. A lot of the hype moments that that the anime especially the first season was built on are not as big in the manga. Some of the art in some places is kind of sketchy. Once we get to like the USJ, it, it yeah, really shapes up. About the USJ, it, it's basically the anime is almost a direct translation of it. But that was something that I immediately noticed is that like the pacing feels different and not as good. I think the pacing the is wild, wildly better in the manga. Yeah, that's what I was I, about to say. Well, I think that's what kind of distanced me from, from the anime because the anime kind of jumped into it. And I feel like I was able to ease into it much better with the manga. Perhaps uh, if the anime had been... I should maybe clarify. I don't mean pacing. pacing of the arcs. I mean pacing of the action scenes. I, I didn't... Ah. Some of the pacing issues of the anime... As a as a complete season storyline, come from just directly translating manga into anime, which tends not to go that well. Ask Dragon Ball, because like just the zero point foe villain, the way that that action set piece is done in the anime, every moment builds. You know that goes into like the fact that the soundtrack isn't there. You say run is tuned perfectly to it. There's a bit more dialogue and the language is a bit more flowery, which like builds up to this moment of this gigantic smash punch in the face moment. I don't even mean this as a pun. There is so much less impact in the manga than there is the anime because it's a couple of panels. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a couple of panels, whereas the anime really builds it hard. (laughs) Studio Bones went hard. That's a very yeah. minor issue with the manga, though. Like, if you're just reading the manga straight, I just, I, I mean, I, you guys would be better comment on this, but I feel like that's not that much of an issue for your, for you guys, Jay and Matt. I am not constantly comparing the thing I read to the thing that, I didn't watch. That is a little better for me. <laughs> Uh, Getting into uh, the actual academia part of My Hero Academia. Real quick, Class 1A, favorite uh, non-Deku character in Class 1A? Totally based on what we read or up at this point, like what I would have said, because 100% Yuga, Mr. Naval Laser, who (laughs) the manga does not make it clear it's a naval laser up until his quirk is is named. Yeah, he specifically says in his in his quirk is explained. It is from his navel. He's not like pelvic thrusting. He has pelvic thrusting. <laughs> he is pelvic thrusting. It's just not a pelvic thrust laser. It's not a crotch laser, everyone. It's been t- I love Yuga. Yuga is my favorite because he is never in front. He's always in the background, just looking smug and living his best life. I think it's because you you see yourself in him so much. <laughs> I feel that that's I, the why. I live my best life. I do. <laughs> yeah, living the best life. <laughs> okay, so my favorite character, as several of you already know, is Todoroki. And that's just because his backstory, it like tugs at my heartstrings. I know it's supposed to, but yes. That means it's effective. Yes, it does. That was very successful. And I look forward to seeing his growth and him coming to terms with himself. He's also very gorgeous. But all those things just make him, you know, the best. Oh, wait, we're just picking waifus? I meant to say um, uh, Suya. (laughs) (laughs) And why? Oh, wait, no, what's what's acid girl's name? Uh, Mia? 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 
I like her. She's she's great. Um, she barely gets featured, but when she does, she fights Yuga. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Acid Girl? Are we talking about Frog Girl? No, no. Acid Girl. No, Mina Ashido, the one with the little we horns. We switched from uh, oh, we switched from Stu to Mina. Yeah, see, I wish she had more screen time because I wasn't even sure about her quirk. I was just like, I see so, her in all the background characters. So many characters. I wish yeah. they had more screen time. This is very much a show where things are going on in the background and you'll see people interact in panels. But if they are not the main focus, they like uh, yeah, they ignored. Yeah, because like I'm like, I've seen her like when you describe her, I'm like, I know exactly who you're talking about. But I'm like, I can't think of a scene where she was featured. And so I really can't, you know, draw on. I mean, I'm well, sure I like her, but it's just like is, I don't know anything about her. So it's just this is probably like, this is probably a good transition into the battle trial arc, because that's where this really becomes effective of. Well, hold on. We didn't hear uh, we didn't hear Jake's favorite 1A member. No one oh. cares about Jake's favorites. <laughs> Jake, you don't have your favorite is who I tell you it is. I, I don't think that that's how that works. But yeah, uh, it's sort of funny because, um, like I said, this uh, and Horikoshi has actually outright stated that this is very much inspired by X-Men. And the original idea of X-Men was, let's have a cast of thousands. Somebody's going to like at least one of the characters. And Hirawaka follows in those footsteps very just much. Just going to so. throw characters at you and you're, you're just going to like them all. All, and, all of them. And like the thing is, Picking a favorite is tough. Probably Yaoyorozu. Um, I think that she has a really fun character arc. To some extent, I know in the anime, more of the stuff that happens with her. So that's affecting my judgment. But it's like, I'm, you know, there. I like so many of them. I pretty, I like basically all but one of them. And the one I don't like is the one you're not supposed to like. And... It's like, okay, who do I think of the most? You know, because they're, because a lot of them are like, if they're not Deku, if they're not Bakugo, they have very, if they're not Deku, Bakugo, to a lesser extent, Araraka, to a lesser extent, Ida, they're basically not on screen, featured as major characters. Um, Kirishima, because he's so popular and Bakugo's friend, has been getting more and more screen time with time. But, like, that's sort of the thing. They're all really, really likable, except for the one you're supposed to hate. Yeah, Yeah. on that note, I don't like that we're supposed to hate him. I I don't like that um, Mineta exists. Exactly. It's it's kind of like he's thrown in there to be like, hate this character. You're supposed to hate him. I'm going to put all the negative traits in him. So, it's like fucking diaper baby. (laughs) <laughs> who gets punished for his perversion and okay good he gets punished for his perversion but i'd rather he just not be there at all the jokes aren't funny and the object lesson isn't gonna mean anything to anyone who has his actual character traits yeah i also because- feel like it's just it's all of his character traits and not to say that they're quote-unquote bad because i know that they are tried and true manga anime traits but I feel like they're just too hyper-focused into this one character. And I would appreciate if we had these lighthearted jokes more spread out since we have such a dynamic and such a large cast, as opposed to just... that Neta does, Kaminari could do in a less hateable way. Exactly. Yeah. no reason for Mineta to exist. Spread the, spread the hate, not just hyper-focused in one, one character. I disagree. I think Mineta existing proves a very valid point. Is Mineta's 
like just awful in a lot of ways and he's lazy he's cowardly he's everything that shouldn't be a hero but you know why he made it into class 1a of ua academy because he's got a really good quirk everything else didn't matter what mattered was how good his quirk was okay do we know if his quirk was good yeah there's nothing no, it's insanely fact. good it is he creates those little hair orbs that are impossible to remove but we don't go into what his scores were. We don't know how well he how well he apparently he did really well. There are a couple of panels in the uh, in the USJ arc, I think, when, you know, basically we're forced to have Mineta be in the active party because he's with uh, Deku. Um, but they were talking. It was uh, explaining how he got through the uh, entrance exam. He just set up uh, sticky ball traps for the. Uh, Oh, villains for the faux villains like he like he's a freaking demo man in tf2 his power is exceptionally good for being a hero it restrains non-lethally people mm -hmm. which is insanely useful for hero work it is a power that is in very unlikely to be used villainously and is very well for what you would want to have for a hero He's like the opposite of Bakugo, whose power is only destructive and really well more suited for villainy. That is an interesting point uh, about how um, about the the another commentary on the flawed mm. nature of the quirk and hero society. I had actually never considered that. Like Mineta does get his you know little moment of heroism in the USJ arc where. Uh, <laughs> Deku essentially tricks him into doing the right thing. <laughs> like, um, I know we're skipping over uh, a few things, like the ops. Uh, we should like perhaps uh, take it in order in that case, because um, we will we will get to that. Yeah, um, so we, were, we were going to the the battle trial arc. Yeah, the battle trial. Slips over the quirk apprehension test, but that was very much just a sports festival. Yeah, um, and we are, and we already basically got out everything that we needed to in that explaining, you know, the talking about uh, Deku's quirk. It really just introduced the class to you. Which yeah, it served its purpose. So we get to the yeah. battle trial arc, which is their first day of class, I believe. No, it's second day. First day is oh. the is the quirk test, and then the second day is battle training. And they all get their costumes. Which, by the way, uh, I want to mention this. I kind of love that All Might is kind of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's the, he's this super-powered, really nice, uh, really flashy hero. Um, <laughs> it's the heroic ideal that the entire yeah. society aspires to be. Yeah, and he's a, he's a crummy... He, He's kind of a crummy teacher. He needs cheat sheets for his lesson plans. He uh, One of his students explains the lesson better than he does. Yeah. Yet another reason to love Yaoyorozu. And this, and we see this in the in the battle trial arc where uh, the teams, uh, the class is split up into uh, teams of two, and have here's, to here's go and basically. Uh, either out Fox or out punch each other. Here's an interesting question, because this is the sort of thing that never really gets brought up that much. Do you think All Might rigged the lots? Because it seems a little bit odd to me that Deku is friends with Araraka, friends with Ida, and knows Bakugo from his childhood, and it's 
Bakugo and Ida versus Deku and Araraka. <laughs> like, that seems suspicious to me. We get a lot of underlying themes of All Might conveniently <laughs> being in charge. Like, um, it, it's kind of hinted at that All Might was really going to campaign for Deku if Araraka didn't come in and give him an excuse to let him into UA. Well, yeah. that's... well. Like, Deku, like, All Might specifically says that he was not one of the judges that got him in on the rescue points. But I yeah. think he probably could have. It doesn't come up, but I think All Might depends on Deku getting into UA and doing well. They do state later that uh, All Might does know Nezu, who is the principal of the school, and has final say on those sorts of things. Yeah, which, uh, again, gets into the, you know, business-like underpinnings of the hero society. Which, unfortunately, we uh, we stopped before stains, so we don't get to discuss that more. But hey, yeah, <laughs> back to the battle trial. So anyway, the battle trial, we have what is essentially uh, Ida and Bakugo playing the villains, which Bakugo is more than happy to do mm -hmm. um, versus Deku and Uraraka, because we need to pair those two lovebirds together immediately. <laughs> <laughs> As far as I know, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure Hirokoshi started off with the characters as adults and actually changed it to be their high school years going up to adulthood. And um, he originally had, which, because this is pre-production stuff, may happen, may not, it's obviously going to happen. But Deku and Araraka were actually married in the original version already um, that he did previously. Um so yeah, what Matt was saying, gotta get those lovebirds together. Gotta right get away. those lovebirds together. You gotta get those sparks flying. Though actually, uh, speaking of uh, Bakugo being on the villain team, one of the things that I think is important to understand about Bakugo's character, because like you're not supposed to like him, but he is supposed to be sympathetic in his own way. He actually doesn't play a villain very well. Ida does. Like he Ida gets into character, but Bakugo he forgets that he's even doing a school trial thing. Yeah, he's just pure, he's just pure energy and pure rage to the point where there's no cohesive, well, it's not a compli, he doesn't have any complicit, like, complication to him. He's very straightforward, very simplistic. That's an important thing about Bakugo, is that although a lot of times people portray him as he's dumb, or he... He's not, he's very focused and straightforward. He is at least as smart as Deku, if not smarter. And it's, it's touched on a few times over the course of what we read, but also in the future, it gets explicitly stated, Bakugo might actually be smarter than Deku and better well, at analysis. I mean, you can't draw on of what is, you know. We're talking about what we read, so. What we read. I mean, this is a first read through for me. So you can't draw what future happens. The the point though is Bakugo has the ability to analyze opponents in the same way Deku does. He just most of the time chooses not to because up until he joined UA, he had the best quirk of anyone around him bar none and could just brute force his way through any problem. He yes. had technique and skill to the way he fought, but he didn't need to use the analytical skills that makes Deku so effective in a fight, which is something that actually comes up in the battle trial. He is the archetypical smart kid in high school who went to college and realized he's not the smart kid anymore. He's just a kid. And, you know, how incredibly straightforward he is. 
um, in the battle trial, it's the villains have to protect the MacGuffin. Uh, so it's like prevent the heroes from getting the MacGuffin for 15 minutes. All right. So I'm just going to go beat the shit out of that weakling Deku and that uh, and that little uh, puffball Uraraka and they won't be able to get it. Right. OK, technically, yes, but you should collaborate with your partner. OK, going to go kill them now. And he just runs off and lets uh, Uraraka get past him because he's so obsessed with uh, beating Deku. Which kind of makes sense, because at this point we get his backstory, but at this point he's also seen Deku's had a quirk this entire time, which... Or or that's what he thinks. Well, I, as we've established, though, there's absolutely no reason he would think anything otherwise, because people don't get quirks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a biological thing, so... yeah, that he, he emphasizes that as well. The only thing he can assume is this little weakling he's picked on his entire life has been hiding a quirk that is ten times better than his. And the only reason Bakugo could possibly think for that to be the reason is he's making fun of him and looking down on him. And Bakugo, the one thing he cannot stand is being pitied because... Since he's been four, he has had everyone in his life tell him what a cool power he has and how that makes him such a good person and such a good hero, because that's what this society is. This is a society that if you have a powerful quirk, you are a better person. Mm -hmm. And that's it's really this flashback that despite the fact I know I'm supposed to hate Bakugo, I really can't anymore because it's not his fault. He's a product of the society he's brought up. And, like, All Might's a great hero, but we get introduced to Endeavor uh, later, who's the number two hero, and I would argue has basically the exact same personality of Bakugo. I am very strong. I am a good hero because of how cool my quirk is. I'm the best, and I deserve to be here because that's what the way the world is. And He's Endeavor. not wrong. And Endeavor it commits many crimes against humanity because <laughs> Todoroki is everyone's favorite little eugenics project. Yeah. Oh, hold on. <laughs> the world also doesn't disagree with eugenics is kind of the other. Uh, they do mention that that quirk marriages are outlawed. It's just Todoroki was born before that uh, or Todoroki. Or, Endeavor married Todoroki's mother before the the uh, quirk marriage law. So, like, people people were concerned about the eugenic thing. They were probably outlawed for the obvious problem of, like, human rights in that situation. Yes. I don't think they were outlawed because the society disagrees with eugenics. Well, okay, that's a fair point. That's, that, I, that is true. They do talk about, like, family lineages of quirks a lot. And how true. some families are better than others because they're... It, it kind of that's where it starts going down a dark turn of these people are not equal. And the fact that the fact that Deku isn't genetically better than people, I guess, is fine. But Deku's just so close to what I want in a main character and yet not. And it's that like uncanny valley of how close he got to my ideal shonen protagonist and then fell short is really what kind of offsets him for me. Yeah, which was which is understandable. Yeah. I do a hundred percent get where you're coming from with that. Um, Hirooka is act is exactly my shonen trash, which is why I'm able to overlook it. But you're not wrong about the story being thematically stronger if Deku didn't never got a. Here's, here's the thing: we get to see what a Deku who just worked by being corkless would be like in the fight with Bakugo. 
the majority of that fight is him knowing his opponent and quirklessly beating him, which ticks Bakugo off to no end because he thinks he's holding back out of pity, which Deku's not. Yeah, to the point where he uses the big super nuclear kill shot move in his uh, in his costume. Which once again goes into the idea that as much because it's like the villains think of Bakugo as being more like him than the heroes. Like Bakugo, if you if you do not pay attention to him as a character, if you ignore the flashback of his backstory, he seems like just a terrible person. He he seems like just an antagonist, a roadblock for Deku to overcome. But like one of the things that's really cool about the, his and Deku's fight in this arc in particular is Deku starts beating him with just hand-to-hand combat and the like Bakugo um he he rush like one of the moves he uses. He rushes forward, uh, blasts an explosion in Deku's face, and not only does that stun him, but it creates a smoke screen. So when Deku tries to counter that initial attack, Bakugo had already used another explosion to flip above and behind. Then um, attitude corrects with a third explosion and blasts Deku in the back to hit him from both sides at the same time. And like that kind of that kind of complex strategy and that kind of elegant use of his abilities really goes to show that Bakugo is not just roar explosion murder as much as honestly he would probably like people to think he I would just say that I don't I never thought that he was possibly lacking in intelligence I just thought he had an anger issue because that just seems to be he definitely has an anger issue there, that's there, a there's no thinking about that that's just true <laughs> yeah, you know, I never had it. There were no qualms over whether, oh, is Deku more intelligent? I'm like, no, it just kind of seems like he has just anger issues. I mean, in all fairness, Bakugo was also first in his class. Yeah. Uh-huh. A lesser series would have Bakugo just be an antagonist, is sort of what I'm getting at. Um, but I think that um, part we get to um, with Bakugo, how he essentially is about to win the fight before Deku is like, well, I'll just use one for all to blow up the building is he does. He does that course correction on the fly. He comes up with that strategy like intrinsically. He's just worked with his quirk so much to the point that he could come up with that proving Bakugo's put in the work. Everyone at UA has put in the work. So to like say, oh, it's just people with strong quirks overpowering each other. That's obviously not the case. But I think, especially in the sports festival arc, we get it made very clear to us. There's no amount of work that helps, which is at a certain point, which is what the story makes it clear of, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned Shinso earlier and Shinso is my favorite character in class B. Uh or no, he's not. Oh no, he's not even in class B. He's in general studies. Yeah, he's in general studies. He is my favorite general studies character. Does that make he is the only one. His, yeah. his quirk is uh, he has the power to completely mind boggle people who verbally respond to him, uh, verbally respond to him talking to them or calling out to them. Yeah. Which, so if you meet him in person, which just work on just, robots. Just ignore him. Just ignore him, and you'll be fine. <laughs> That doesn't work on robots, which is why he couldn't do anything in the uh, 
in the entrance exam and that's why yeah. he couldn't get into the hero course even though he got completely gypped in that and that's like a major uh that's a major theme in the little arc of him versus De uh, Deku. Yeah, all the commentary behind the scenes when all the professors are talking about it, like, or the um, spectators are talking about it, they're like, oh, I wish he, how did he not get into the hero course? And it's like, well, technically, well, you know, with his quirk, he unfortunately didn't too, do too well in the practical part, portion of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know. Which so the fact that the, the, the once in a lifetime exam to get into the hero course is apparently can vary so much is ridiculous well like, isn't there like two they only two allow calls? 30 students into it's not just that but there are certain like there are a couple shortcomings with the practical exam that are called out like during mm -hmm. sports they're like actually this person would have easily gotten into the hero course if only their quirk wasn't this if only their quirk you know, in, in, if only their this quirk was incorporated into this practical and exam. To be fair, quirks are only a couple of generations old as well. To some extent, it is growing pains from it being a new thing. But that is sort of the point of the story is that there is this inherent unfairness within the society that needs to be corrected. Yes, yeah. but I mean, as going back to the growing pains, I mean, even administratively, there are growing pains as far as what type of curriculum should be included in um it's not really a curriculum considering that no the... no i'm talking i'm talking about <laughs> outside of ua i'm talking uh, about it's in general what Izawa like, mentions there earlier. are there are societal growing pains of what type of law we have to accommodate these people who have like these variety of quirks there's also um I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, but I just remember it being brought up that society as a whole is still going through the growing pains of howing, how to accommodate this, these variety of quirks, some of them very powerful, some out of control, some of them are beyond the user's even control or comprehension. Like, how do you even create a justice system to accommodate these, these people? What do I mean, you do if someone like... Um, yeah, like Todoroki... Like, or not, not Todoroki, uh, Tokoyami. Tokoyami. What happens if Dark Shadow goes out of control? Do you do you prosecute uh, Tokoyami, or do you prosecute Dark Shadow, who is literally Tokoyami's sentient shadow? Yeah, because it's it's we have they have identified that there's some genetic component to this. So I mean, are you going to then go through screening of like the? Um, you, um, dystopian of like, oh, your genetics say you're predisposed to being having this, having a villainy this, quirk. Yeah, yeah. Something specifically stated about Shinso. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I mean, society as a whole has these growing pains going on, which they, is um, explored a little bit, or at least touched upon a little bit in the yeah. earlier chapters of like, well, society. This has happened for three or four generations, but society is still growing to kind of accommodate this new change they very much live in a society we live in a society transition into the usj arc <laughs> yep. transition which i believe is the third day of class they they do a lot in their first three days at yeah. us before we get into what happens at the usj can we just talk for a moment about how uh ua has more money than god <laughs> how do they afford multiple full cityscapes and the usj i think you guys are just jealous 
Also, can we point out the fact that they have a gate that instantly like shuts down for anyone who isn't um... is it either a student, a faculty member, or is wearing a visitor pass? And it is able to close fast enough to block everyone, but is also safe enough that it doesn't rip someone's arm off. Also, keep those reporters out. They just <laughs> want to know where All Might is. Uh, but um, I think we get a little bit at the first beginning where uh, for some reason they decide they need to elect a class president, which um, I mostly mentioned because it comes to my favorite bit I noticed about uh, My Hero Academia storytelling where characters will just announce that a new plot line is happening because this arc starts with Aizawa going, oh yeah, I guess we're electing a class president. What? Why? Uh, dude, it's a plot line. Come on, let's just go with it. And then two panels later, they're just going with the plot line. Well, it's not just that. Like, UA is supposed to be, like, they preface in the beginning, it's supposed to be a high school. Like, it is supposed to be, I mean, it's a hero high school, but it's still a high school, so it still has that generic okay, we're going to have this festival, we're going to put this performance on, this, it's just their performances are so hyped. Thing has to be set in high school, because that's the only time when you actually are able to do things. But I mean, the, the, at the base, the, the, at its most simplistic, you know, nature, it still is a high school. Yeah, beneath all the absurdity. So, I mean, they have to do high school. Yeah, they have to do the high school thing. The one thing that I would have appreciated is if they had actually, like, elected entire cabinet because i mean they did the principal the president sorry uh, they did the president election and, yeah they did president and of, vice president and then i'm like what about the treasurer what about the secretary we need a whole cabinet going on you have those in japanese high school yes i don't know oh it's a trope well, that's uh, well. why that's why i'm drawing on it because it is a trope that you have all of these positions well clearly no one cared about it <laughs> I think if Hirowaka was more focused on its side characters, it would have done that. But for Hirowaka to be more focused on its side characters, it would have we'd, to be a lot longer. We'd never and, get any of the main plot done. Yeah, and yeah. then you'd suddenly be getting into, like, Naruto territory of yeah. nothing ever happens. See, they didn't have any elections, but I mean, the Japanese high school, we got to have the elections for, you know, class president, class secretary, class treasurer, whatever. And then you have to have the sports festival. Um, we were talking about the USJ, which uh, features the first appearance of the League of Villains. League. When they go to their off-site, it's like a two-hour bus ride or something. It's a two-hour bus ride, yet it's still somehow on campus. And it is not any of the, like, four or five full cityscapes. It's a completely separate thing that is a giant freaking stadium with multiple full-size natural disasters laid out like a freaking theme park. So I, well, I was of the impression when I was reading it that it was an adjunct-like facility, not that this was all one campus. Like, they could drive through the city and then go to an adjunct campus that is still under UA. That would make sense, but I'm pretty sure they mentioned that it is still on campus. I could be wrong about that. Though. But I mean, do they mean by on campus as in it is owned by UA, so therefore UA campus, technically. But I mean, like, kind of like it's, how... It's, it's inherently absurd. This is, Look, UA has more money than God and more influence than the than entire world governments. <laughs> Moving on. They are the world government. Yeah, League of Villains. <laughs> <laughs> Good old hand man. 
end man uh itchy scratchy mcbad touch and the and the goober gang show up to kill all might <laughs> which i love that villain because that's just horikoshi bragging about how much he loves drawing hands <laughs> which i appreciate because as i as we have to admit how many artists how many um creators express that they hate ears and hands this is a mangaka who specifically says i love drawing hands and he just goes to town with it (laughs) this guy's costume is hands it's like hey his his villain the the mask for his villain costume is just a hand on his face and on his head he has like a whole bunch of like hands and like grabbing his shoulders and his arms and his his shoulders his arms around his neck I just find him more efficient because he never has to ask anyone to scratch his back or his head. This guy's got him made. I don't think he can move those hands. Shigaraki is a really um, interesting villain because uh, he, he starts off uh, as 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 described in the aftermath of the USJ incident by the by the pro heroes. He's a bit of a man child. He lives in a society, and boy, howdy, is he going to let you know it by just throwing a temper tantrum and smashing things. Uh, but he is the worst. Like, his philosophy is like... Oh, he doesn't have one. Society, but taken seriously. Like, he's like the worst kind of... No, he, he says... Hero, heroes are inherently violent, so I guess that means villains can be inherently violent too, right? Oh, both sides are wrong. And then All Might is like, you don't actually believe that. You're just... And he's like, yeah, you got me. You're just saying things to justify your actions. You're right, I am. And and you know what? It's working. (laughs) Oh, but yeah. So I think the USJ arc is where we get the first real distinct... Oh, no, we, we saw it in the battle trial. Whereas if you aren't the main characters... All of these things are happening simultaneously, and if we were in a more traditional shonen, we would flip between them constantly. Yeah, show every single... Because something that happens early on in the arc is a bunch of people get dispersed throughout the USJ. By one of um, the coolest villains of all time, Kurigiri. Um, and just because we keep mentioning USJ, um, I don't remember... I don't remember the two things that it's a or what it's a reference to and what it, the acronym is, but it's based on or it, Universal Studios Japan is the inspiration for um, the um, UA's USJ. Um, I forget what the what their name for it is, but that actually gets called out by some of the, the unexpected situation joint. <laughs> oh, my God. It's even worse than I remember. I love it. Uh, they get they get split up, and um, in a more traditional shonen, it would have because like we see some of the characters go through at least a fair portion. We see what Todoroki does; he just freezes everybody because that's kind of what Todoroki does. Yeah, like, and we get to see uh, we get to see uh, Todoroki just beast modes through everything because that's how he do. But uh, one of my favorite of the side fights is. Um, Yaoyorozu, Jiro, and Kaminari uh, defeating a whole bunch of people in the mountains because it's like, oh, we've got two people who have insane AoEs and Yaoyorozu can make uh, contingency items to to prevent us from getting hit by our own AoEs. 
And like that alongside uh, the main thing that we follow, which is Deku, Sue, and Mineta, does show how uh, the kids can really make best use of comboing their quirks together. But we don't see, we only see the tail end of Bakugo and Kirishima. We don't see um, uh, Tailman. I remember the names of. No, it's we don't see because I really like I really like that character. But Oji- um, Ojiro. It, okay, it is Ojiro. Okay, that was that was the name that kept popping to my head. But I feel like I'm like, wait, isn't that the guy who can talk to animals? That no, that's character. Kota. That's Kota. It is Kota. I, that character barely what? exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His uh, um, his quirk is definitely not mentioned in what we read. It's it's in his bio. Oh, his bio is definitely not in what we read. <laughs> we, like, we don't follow Ojiro's stuff at all. We, like, he literally, after the fact, someone asks, hey, where were you during all this time? Oh, well, you see off screen. I, 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 I was dropped in the fireplace and I karateed a bunch of people. Huh, that sounds really cool. Todoroki. I was with Invisible Girl. We both almost got frozen by him. <laughs> Or wait, no, 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 no. No, Invisible Girl was with Todoroki, and he finds out later, oh, crap, I might have accidentally frozen her. I do like Hagakure. She is amazing for sight gags, despite being invisible. (laughs) So, example number, like, 9,000 of Horikoshi loves bragging about how he can draw hands. Because the only thing of her that exists is the hands. What if I made a character that was only gloves? (laughs) <laughs> there's also the fridge horror of the fact that she's just constantly walking around naked it's like oh i mean because she can't make her clothes invisible that's true despite the fact we we hear other people have their um uniforms made out of their hair and that apparently works with the quirk not with her apparently <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like in their sci-fi technology they could probably make an outfit that wouldn't have to be her taking her clothes off but this is also this is also a manga so yeah i mean knowing her personality i would argue she would also just not care yeah so she doesn't care but um so i think the main focus of this arc is deco suya suyu sue sue deco sue and mineta get trapped on a boat with a bunch of shark people in the water and villains with other aquatic quirks. Yeah, and it's like, okay, how the hell do we get off of this boat without getting myrtleized? Deku that- still thinks he can't use his quirk because he can't risk getting too injured before... Before getting back to the main fight. Because he doesn't know how long these villains are going to be here. Mm-hmm. He needs to focus on that. So we get a lot of heavy lifting from Minata and Sue, who just frogs it up and is the real MVP of this whole arc. She is the real MVP. Sue is the real MVP in general. Can we just point out that part of her quirk is she's able to throw up her stomach her and stomach clean it? stomach to clean it, yes. Yeah. Because she is a frog. She's literally an anthropomorphic frog. And yet somehow she is the most adorable... Mm. There are, there are a lot of the most adorable. There's a lot of yeah. waifus in uh, Hero Aka. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, as we will elaborate upon later. <laughs> shortly, yes. Yes, shortly. So, All Might versus Nomu, uh, where we get to see All Might go all out. And we also and, get to see Deku control uh, one for all for the first time while punching mm-hmm. Nomu. Uh, when I first, you know, 
read this, I was convinced that the only reason Deku didn't break his arm there was because of Nomu's uh, force negation, but that doesn't work with, uh, you know, Newtonian physics. Because that's also what I was like 50% on the fence for. Does he just think he controlled the power? It just got negated by... That Yeah, I don't think that's ever really um, brought up. It... It, though Deku seems to be of the opinion that because he was about to use it on a person instead of, you know, the environment or a robot, he subconsciously was like, all right, can't kill people. That's not hero like. So hold back Good on everyone in this arc, really, because I don't think anyone talks about Nomu as if he's a monster, which is a real change of pace coming off one punch, man, because when I saw him, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a monster. He's going to get squatted. But uh, no, no, everyone talks to Nomu as if he's a person. So good job. I'm not sure if this got emphasized at any level. Almost certainly not. In the anime, they make it very explicit. Nomu is a person who got Dr. Mengelid. Yeah. Yeah. They make that very, very clear in the anime. That was presented in the manga. Yep. The bioengineered monster uh, designed to kill All Might. Oh, that's but right. They, they talk about it after this when, um, yeah, okay. But then we get uh, the plus ultra moment. <laughs> I am a massive sucker for the big damn hero moment and uh, just the extreme showing of power in uh, in manga and anime. So just all might saying I'm running out of time. I am almost going to collapse out of my muscle form. I am already injured but I have kids behind me and a big monster in front of me, and I am the symbol of peace! Love the bit where, um, uh, hand guy, I forget the name, but Shigaraki goes, um, that's impossible. We made him strong enough to beat you, and All Might's like, you did. I just became strong. I just hit harder. Like, <laughs> and Deku's commentary that all of the like gazillion pun or 300 punches he throws out over the course of a minute are all more than 100% of his power. Okay. <laughs> sure. I believe it. I buy it. That fight is literally just cementing how cool All Might is. Mm-hmm. Not how cool, just how dedicated he is to being, you know, the symbol that everyone aspires to be. He's mm-hmm. like, you can't, you can't. You can't extinguish this light. I have I have to do this. Well, but that's the thing, though. They show you what the pinnacle of Herodom is. And then after that fight, All Might talks to Deku later and says like, yeah, um, so that fight took a lot out of me. I don't think I can do that again. I went from three hours down to less than one because of what I had to do there. I'm no longer going to be able to be the big damn hero. Which puts a big timer on the entire storyline, which is great for the uh, the dramatic flow of the of the adventure. Though one thing that's actually also sort of important with regards to um, uh, All Might is the pinnacle of heroism. That actually brings up something important is that all of the characters who get significantly focused on their idol is all might like the reason why bakugo is so obsessed with power is because all might is the pinnacle of heroism and he's the strongest so if you're physically strongest and can defeat any any opponent you must be the strongest hero um whereas 
Deku, what Deku idolizes about All Might is the fact that he inspires people to have hope and to do their uh, their own best. He's the cool hero who saves everyone with a smile. Um, and that's that's a very important through line with Hiroaka because um, when it comes to Shigaraki, the one thing that um, the one thing that he says of his motivations that's actually true is that he legitimately hates All Might because All Might can't actually be everywhere and save everyone, and that his his presence makes people gives people a false sense of security because there's going to be a disaster that happens somewhere that he won't be able to save everyone, and it's doubly true now because of one the injury that is the reason why the story happened, and also because he passed one for all to his successor. All Might isn't going to be able to be everywhere. He's not going to be able to be anywhere pretty soon. Mm -hmm. You just made me very sad, Jacob. It it is it is very sad. We move into the sports festival arc, which again gets introduced um, after they get their two day vacation because we almost got killed by heroes. I guess we have to give them a couple days off. Yeah, they come back <laughs> to school for um, Aizawa to do his favorite part of introducing plot in My Hero Academia, just telling the audience it's going to happen and be along for the ride because he goes, hey, we're having the sports festival. Everyone sign up for it. And there's a great little comedy bit where Mineta just kind of goes, wait, what? That seems a little ridiculous considering we almost died. And all the characters take this to mean, oh, Mineta must be an idiot. He doesn't know that the... He doesn't know that the UA Sports Festival is literally bigger than the Olympics in Japan. Let us all explain this thing that we intrinsically know about the world, which... <laughs> well, I mean... Exposition is fun. It's yeah. straight up exposition. And the joke yeah. is Mineta's there going, no, I obviously know all of this. I live in this world with you guys, please... But we were in a we were just victims to a terror attack. Like Mineta has a very good point. Guys, we gotta we gotta solidify our rankings and we gotta solidify our future careers. We wanna be, you know, get the attention of the industry folks and the professional heroes out there. That's the thing that feels like a little iffy about the world building of My Hero Academia. And granted, we're still very early in the manga. I don't expect world building for a brand new manga to be like solidified all the way through. But the fact that a high school sports festival is bigger than the Olympics. But I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier, about how with how widespread these quirks are, the Olympics would evaporate because everyone is elevated it's to the point. high school sports festival and as opposed to. Here's the thing with regards to that. As is my understanding from like third hand knowledge, because I have never been to Japan. But what people who have been to Japan have said of it is that when you're in elementary school, you work really hard to get in a good middle school. You work really hard in middle school to get in a good high school. You work really hard in high school to get into a good college. You work really hard in college to get a good job. And then you just toil away at your job until you retire. And the the idea that it's like, okay, two days have passed. You've had enough rest after your life life and death, near-death experience. Go into this thing that is all about your future career is a bit of a is a bit of a like mocking send-up of how ridiculous um how ridiculously career focused high schools in Japan can be, which yeah. is also the reason why literally every manga ever is set in uh has the main characters uh, a high school student because 
high school is basically the la- is the only time in stereotypically and again third hand knowledge but it's the only time when you are old enough to do fun things but not so old that you are toiling away at your career from dawn till dusk exactly but you got to make sure you make all the right choices in high school like it's yeah yeah. The sports festival being so ridiculously huge is basically a it is supposed to be look at how ridiculously stupid it is that this is such a big deal. Yeah. And big and a big deal it is because uh what I found a little odd again as part of the world building throwing up how completely insane this world is and uh, some of the flaws in it they take the entire student body put them all into one event and then they'll only accept like 40 people into the next one why well it's probably gonna just be uh like the members of the hero courses <laughs> let's be real can we also talk about how it seems like um for this thing that is as big as the olympics and draws a huge crowd the events appear to be picked like completely at random by whoever is in charge of hosting it because it doesn't seem like anyone's prepared for a certain event to be happening it's well we decided to do this deku remembers like previous events so i think there is some rhyme or reason to them there's it's an just... aside that the events are uh slightly different each year they're slightly different it's not like completely revolutionary as in like deku's drawing comparison between previous years he's like oh that's like such and such from previous whatever so i mean like everyone has an idea of how it will go and that's why um oh god i forget the name of the hero who is the professor or the teacher but she's essentially midnight that essentially she's like let me explain it because like all the students are already like oh i know what this is this is when you do this and that and to i love midnight actually wait yeah is it is it too late to change waifus (laughs) (laughs) it's never too late matt oh good (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's kind of like through um whether osmosis or just because you know it's part of their culture that they are aware generally of what the events entail by what the challenge is. But I'm not talking about like the students. I'm talking about like from an audience, like people are go are paying to buy tickets to go to this event. Yes. Which from what I understand, the box, like considering the office appeared to be people who are professional heroes looking for sidekicks. This is much more a business expo than anything. I I, I guess I'm confused by why it's so jarring because I I mean, there are parts of this where I feel like it was explained that this is like a huge it's a job fair kind of type thing, like show off your your stuff thing. As as is explained by other other best girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she really does push the I'm literally only here to get scouted. It's May where we're introduced to the fact that not only does Hiro Aka, this insanely big building, have a um, hero course, but we're also revealed has a support course, a business course, and a general studies course. Yes, that's Mm -hmm. where we realize that this class is much larger. Which it would have to be, considering how huge this building is for only 90 people, right? It would not have to be. Because think about it, if you're a hero who has a large-scale quirk, it could easily be that large. Yeah, that's true. They do make the doors bigger, especially for... Yeah, in case there are big people. Wow, this door is big, but that makes sense because some people have really big quirks. 
is exposition I'm saying to myself because the audience needs to know that. Can we just go into how like worthless the idea of a general studies course at Hero Academia is? <laughs> I go to this prestigious Hero Academy and I'm in Gen Ed. I'm getting my high school degree in Gen Eds from Hero Academy. We don't know more about Gen Eds. Like, is it bits and pieces? I'm assuming, like, I would think that if you're going in Gen Ed to this Hero Academy, you'd be getting a bit of everything. So say you're not in the Hero course, but you might have some Hero courses and some marketing courses and some business courses. So you come out more well-rounded. I would argue they're not getting any hero training. I don't I think, think I think they're explicitly not getting hero training. But here's the thing about that. As far as we know, the business support and general studies diplomas that you get from UA are just as prestigious as the hero um, diplomas. It's just heroing as a job is given more emphasis in society which kind of gets into the idea of everyone is pissed off at the hero course for stealing the spotlight all the time because they all do stuff too don't we count why is yeah. how hard you punch someone the only thing anyone cares about and that's something that is brought up very specifically in um in Shinzo's storyline, not just that he very probably should have been in the hero course, but wasn't because of the unfair nature of the uh, practical entrance exam, but also the stuff that the other courses are doing isn't nothing either. It's just treated like nothing. We've already pontificated enough about how this society is fucked up and needs and needs some severe work. Yeah, they, they live in a society and so do we. <laughs> but we got to we got to talk about the big highlight of the sports festival arc, match. which is. Uh, <laughs> which the is cavalry what? match, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, the cavalry match is really fun, but the um obstacle race and the cavalry match like there you know there's stuff set up for the the bigger points in the um sports festival but oh my god they're so hype <laughs> like they they are very hype but we are here to talk about the most hype thing in the universe which is deku versus yeah. todoroki yeah where deku severely mutilates himself in order to convince his friend to stop being a little bitch and fight me for real. Show me your true power, Shoto. That's true friendship. That's that's true support right there. What? I thought yeah. that was a really good Todoroki fight. I didn't yeah. think it was a very good Deku fight. I thought it was because it just it just it demonstrates his character. He is someone who's like, no, I want to. I want you to recognize your full potential. I don't want you to half-ass, half-ass. I, I understand. Deku is a Boy Scout, and he's doing the right thing. But how Deku gets around that fight is, well, I'll keep flicking at him and breaking my fingers. I just have a limited number of shots. Is the like roaring touch? And obviously, enduring all that pain, very impressive, very good shonen protagonist. But there's not, beyond that, a lot of strategy. There's there's strategy, I would argue that, but it's not what you would expect from a strategic main character. It's what you would expect from, I have a really good power main character. Yeah. That's, tr that's true to an extent. Uh, I, I find that um, the fact that Deku... Uh, goes from, you know, the big punches to just using the finger-flicking attacks... Uh, it, it, you know, it stated he's doing that to drag the fight out so he can wear down Todoroki in a battle of attrition, uh, though. And it, it's hard 
to be strategical against Todoroki because how are you going to outthink an avalanche crushing you? I, I, I do under I do get I do get where you're coming from, Matt. I, I agree with you to an extent, but it's like it, it's also a, sort of a victim of the uh, of the nature of the fight. No, actually, I'm going to full on disagree because Deku actually specifically points out I'm going to use the finger flick thing to extend the fight because I don't know how Todoroki's powers work because he ends fights so quickly. That's part of the strategy. And once he realizes the way that the ice moves, he actually starts to use that to his advantage. And a lot of the strategy is Deku's like, okay, the ice moves at a certain speed. I can like, like the, the ice is slowing down because he's chilling his own body with his own ice. So I'm going to try to move in now. And Todoroki counters that strategy with, yeah, but I can also do it. I can also do a small ice attack and freeze your arm at close range, which is something he hadn't shown up to that point. And the strategy is Deku is doing everything he can to figure out what even is his power, like what even are the limits of his powers? Yeah, it's a great Todoroki fight is what I said. It is. I would yeah, I is. would argue there are better Deku fights. And what I like about Deku as a character, th this is very much Todoroki's stage. I'm, it's his spotlight. It, Deku is there to facilitate that. And really, true. I think my other problem with this fight is this is one of the few things I heard and got was hyped up about My Hero Academia. But it's coming off the heels of Bakugo versus Urahaka, which is just such a better fight. This is one of the things that I just absolutely love Hirowaka for, because the entire audience is booing Bakugo for air quotes toying with the Rarika and or, or beating up on a girl. Yeah, they're like, how, how dare you beat up on this fragile little Which, girl? And he's just like, fragile what? <laughs> Aizawa calls out even he like specifically calls out a member of the audience. It's like, if that's what you're taking away from this fight, you can just go home now. Yeah, because you shouldn't be a hero. Look at what's going on down there. He is respecting her because he knows if he slips up or doesn't take her seriously, she will beat him. And it then zooms into Bakugo concentrate face because he knows that if he slips up, Raraka will take advantage of that and will beat him. Yeah, I mean, females can be villains too. And if you're just going <laughs> to on them and just all of a sudden say, well, I can't hit her because she's a girl. I, oh, no. That's a great point from a world building point of view, because the amount of people in the audience we get who are upset this fight is happening is kind of weird, considering, for one, the sports festival as a whole wasn't gender segregated. So this was obviously going to come up at some point. And part two, they're training to be heroes. Are they just going to only fight male villains? Like acting female heroes are just going to have villains go easy on them? Like it. It might also come down to the fact that Araraka is very cute and she is designed to be, uh, her character design is very cute and round and soft. And you have a brutal, brutal, destructive Bakugo going in and beating up on this precious little cinnamon roll. Look at her. Araraka looks like a marshmallow when you compare <laughs> her to someone like uh, Yaoyorozu. If it was Yaoyorozu getting blasted by Bakugo, I don't think anyone would have made a comment, but that is... The comments aren't, she's so cute. The comment is, how dare you do that to a girl? Which I understand where you're coming from, but that's not what they're saying. No, they do also mention she's cute and innocent. Like, they do specifically call out the way she looks. 
And you'll know that Yaoi Rozu, um, the vine hair girl from Class B, they don't get comments like that. And Yaoi Rozu lost pretty hard. She just gets slapped out of the ring by Dark Shadow. But nobody makes a comment about um, Tokuyami being bad. Um, but they do specifically call out how cute Araraka is. And the thing is, it's like they're they're bashing on Bakugo because, oh, he's being mean. But the thing is, they're also not taking Araraka seriously because she is round little cute marshmallow girl. I, I gotta say, honestly, that fight is probably one of the best fights I've ever seen with a female um, protagonist in a shonen manga ever. It's so good. That whole fight, because it's like, and like the strategy that she comes up with to be able to utilize her quirk in an arena that is almost built against her. It's genius. And my favorite part is um, in the aftermath, Bakugo comes up to Deku and is like, I bet you gave her that idea, Deku, you stupid little nerd. And he's like, no, she came up with that on her own, dude. Yeah. You got, you, you got outfoxed entirely by her. How's it feel? All that was all her, man. I was not involved. She he didn't even tell her like he flat out. She flat out refused his notes and said, nope, I'm going to do it myself. And she almost did. And yeah, that's the that's the really cool thing, because one thing that they make super clear is. She almost won. She had Bakugo on the ropes. Bakugo's howitzer impact, the thing that he used to destroy the falling rocks, he has like maybe three of those in him on a good day. And he was already fighting for a while up to that point. That's why he explains that his that his costume design, that's why he... It's, yeah, his costume is built to let him do that more than once. Yeah. And just like the other, the other thing that's so cool is like the way that Araraka loses where she just like she's got nothing left after that and she basically just passes out on her feet but she's still trying even though she's like almost completely unconscious and just like no I can keep going like that's like she's such a strong character I I love her she's everyone it's yeah Everyone loves, her everyone loves her. I love how strong she is. She puts on a tough face for everyone who like comes and go, hey, man, we're really sorry you didn't win. You put out a good show. It's like, it's OK. I'll do better next time. It's when her dad calls her that she breaks down into tears. She saves that for only her parents. Well, she didn't even want she didn't even want her parents to see that. It was just the fact that it was just her and her parents on a on a phone. No, that's yeah. It's when they called her that. Because she was trying to put on a brave face for them, too. Yeah. Um, but she's so passionate. I just really appreciate that fight just because Bakugo is like... It's like Bakugo, Aizawa, and Deku are the only people in the arena who are taking Araraka seriously. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that he pays her a very good compliment. Everyone else is really trying to admonish like her own strategy, her own capability. And he's like, I did not see any frail little girl out there i saw where the opponent i was going to take her down mm -hmm. and if you do then you should just go because there, there's that one guy who it's like like uh Izawa calls him out in specific because like he makes a a pretty pointed comment at Baku. i think you're you're combining what that one random guy said and um rock skin just, dude I says that when he to comes like the fact that bakugo like everyone um ida was even like saying you think he's gonna go all out on that girl 
and he's just like, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, like everyone, everyone had their doubts, and Bakugo was just like, no, I saw her as a worthy opponent, and I was not going to, you know, hold back. That's she definitely earned my one hundred percent. It's also worth noting that if he didn't take her seriously, he legitimately would have lost. <laughs> yeah. Ida's saying, uh, surely he doesn't mean to go all out on her. And Deku just going, oh, no, he will. He will. <laughs> he will. <I> think... <laughs> he does not discriminate. I think that's a through line we get early on in the obstacle course of Deku coming to the realization. Everyone who is participating right now is doing it to be on top. And if he tries for anything less, he is going to be left behind in the dust. Yes. Everyone who is here is giving it their all, and to do any less is an insult to everyone trying. And that is the beautiful thing about Hiroaka. It is a bunch of people doing their best to become the best them they can possibly mm -hmm. be, and I love it. I know, same. I have to echo that. And the fact that, you know, even if they are all rivals, they still have friendships. I mean... Most of them don't take it personally. Ida is like, yeah. I'm still your friend, you know, Deku, but I'm still gonna... <laughs> I need to compete directly against you because I have, in the up until this point, I have been using you as a crutch, and that's bad for me, and I need to, I need to be the best me I can be. And then that sort of transfers to Araraka during her fight with Bakugo, where she wanted to take the um advice from deku on how to beat bakugo but she's like no that's exactly what ida was saying in the cavalry battle i mm -hmm. can't just use my friend as a crutch i have to do this for myself exactly all right i really appreciate that we got this entire tournament arc like your typical like part of a shonen anime is have the tournament arc except we get the brilliant decision that deku is unconscious for half of it he he loses his fight by um, default uh, and is unconscious for the majority of the fights. And Todoroki versus Bakugo is the last one. And even that kind of just comes to a close. It's a good fight, but it's really just a capstone for everything. But we get three fights, I believe, that happen completely off screen. And we get to be told by... Ida in like three uh, speech bubbles that, oh, yeah, I beat the vine haired girl. But we don't even get to see that fight happen in the background like we do with Rock Guy versus Steel Guy or um, Yuga, Hiroshima Yuga yeah. versus uh, uh, Waifu Girl, uh, Mina. Mina. Yuga versus Mina. Both of those, we get like one or two panels of what's going on while the side stuff's happening. But we don't get to see the girl with plant hair get utterly decimated. And I'm going under the theory that's because Hirokoshi hates drawing hair. And he really hates the fact he designed a girl who's had he said in his notes that he specifically does not like her hair because it's it's too complicated. And I am a hundred percent guaranteeing he had her defeated off screen because he did not want to have to draw her dead. Yeah. <laughs> He's like if I recall correctly from the character notes, he said, I love this character. I love her design. I absolutely despise drawing her because her hair is a nightmare and I break yeah. out in a cold sweat every time she comes up. I, I just really appreciate the character notes because I'm just like, I get it. It's really awesome character, mm -hmm. but I would hate to have to draw this so many times. <laughs> There's a pretty common through line, despite the fact this man loves to draw hands. He constantly critiques characters who are like, I really wish I hadn't given him this hairstyle. 
doesn't hate strawling hair. <laughs> he does. He hates hair so much. Just uh, make it, just make someone whose quirk is their their hands is hair or their hair is hands. He's working on oh, it. God. He's done it. <laughs> Probably. It'll happen. My quirk is that I have hands for hair. That works. Uh, did we want to talk about Endeavor at all, or Endeavor? The fact that he's basically Blaziken. The fact that he's a bastard. <laughs> like his his um uh, Todoroki's dad, like is an asshole. Yes. Genetically, he got a quirk marriage, which uh, to get he's specifically looking for someone with ice powers because his power overheats and that's its weakness but if he had someone with ice powers they would counterbalance and be the perfect quirk the fact that now we have quirk marriages are like or which are i think we don't have them anymore up, a step up from like arranged marriages because i mean like arranged marriages whatever but i mean this is a point where that's the thing quirk marriages are arranged marriages they're also just eugenics experiments also it's a step above just arranged it's like full out like we're experimenting with quirks here but yeah we get Todoroki's backstory about how um his mom raised him mostly because his dad barely in the picture despite the fact he no that's right he loved Todoroki because Todoroki had fire powers the rest of his children were worthless and not even mentioned he was the mm -hmm. best his mom raised him his father tortured him cough cough I mean trained him but like his mom also hated Todoroki because he had that little bit of fire in him like Endeavor who not can't stand fire because remember this is he wasn't exhibiting his power his quirk like his father it I was mean look at the boy's hair <laughs> well she I couldn't stand looking at the left side of him it reminded him it reminded her too much of her abusive husband I don't agree with her with what she did at in any in any capacity but I completely understand why I don't think she agrees with what she did. She's in a mental institution. I don't think she's in a right state of mind. Like, he goes to visit her at the hospital. I think that that, I mean, I understand why. Don't get me wrong. But I also feel that this was just, I mean, it's just furthering his abuse. Essentially, she's never been treated of why she hates her husband. I mean, it's obvious why. I know why she hates her husband. But, you know, it's... It's not like she's not getting undergoing any treatment. She's essentially just being held. Yeah, no, she's institutionalized. Yeah. But she's not receiving any treatment of like, oh. A, a lot of times you don't receive treatment when institutionalized. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but I, I just don't, I don't find this fair. Yes, what she did was wrong. Oh, it's, it's explicitly unfair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially you're being put away despite the fact that what you really need is you need the underlying frustration, the underlying abuse to be addressed. What she needs is a divorce and for Endeavor to go to jail, but that's not going to happen because he's technically not broken any law. Yeah, I don't think Endeavor did anything illegal. I think he's just a bad person, which yeah, is... Yeah, exactly. Like, because here, here's the thing. I don't think Endeavor hit any of them. I think she's the only one oh, who's... hit Todoroki a lot, but it was... It was combat training, therefore it was legal. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He deserves... The one who deserves to be locked in a box never to see the light of day again is uh, Endeavor, but technically he didn't break any laws. He's just a bad person. Like, I, I think that's one of the things I like about the resolution to this arc so much is uh, Todoroki loses, but he doesn't... He's still processing some emotions. Mm -hmm. It's the reason he can't go all out against Bakugo, who has a... 
understandable, kind of sad, and also incredibly hilarious reaction to that. You have to be restrained because he's not accepting the victory. <laughs> yes, that was beautiful. That's why I call on him my rage puppy. But the one thing I thought was really beautiful was um, Todoroki's reaction to meeting his father going like, finally, I can train you in earnest. You'll be willing to accept my power. And Todoroki going, you know, I've he doesn't say this, but this is clearly the emotions he's processing is I've hated you for so much of my life and I've rejected everything that's part of you. But now I think I'm just not going to think of you. No, he did say that. Mm -hmm. He says, I wasn't even thinking about you. The part leading up to that, though, is like, I've hated you and I've done things out of it. And I think it's the step Todoroki needs, which is this sounds wrong. But what he needs to do is forgive his father because he's holding around a lot of rage and resentment that isn't bettering him as a person. He doesn't need to forgive his father. He needs to let go of the hate that his father has hung around his neck. like. Yeah, forgive him. He needs to forgive yeah. him. That, that's uh, there, there's a difference between forgiving someone and like accepting what they did. <laughs> yeah, like forgiving someone is letting go of the like. I feel like that can't be forced. I mean, no. obviously we're talking yeah. about a fictitious person, but I'm saying you can't say he needs to forgive him and then tomorrow Todoroki forgives him. No, forgiveness is a process. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he might never he might never forgive him, but he has to accept that I'm not going to live in my father's shadow. I'm going to do me. I'm going to be the hero that I want to be and not pay him any mind. I still haven't forgiven him yet. He was still very abusive and a horrible person, but I'm going to do me. And sorry, sorry, dad, sorry, sperm donor. You're going to have to do whatever you do, but I'm, I'm not going to live in your shadow. I'm not going to be your protege. I'm going to do me and be the best hero that I can be. But no, that's where he is right now. He's saying, I'm not going to be you and rejecting him. And because of that, like his fire isn't useful. He's still using his ice cork only for the most part. And that's hindering his progress. What he needs to do, like, is forgive his dad, get rid of the negative resentment. You can't force him to forgive. His no, no, I'm not forcing him to do anything. He's a fictional character. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't forget past the trauma without forgiving his father. I, I think what we're getting down to is the fact that Hiroaka does the thing that no other shonen is brave enough to do. And that is uh, admitting that, hey, maybe years worth of mental health issues aren't solved in one pep talk in a fight. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, what? You mean I can't just say something inspiring with uh, swelling music and then punch him in the face and suddenly everything's okay? Oh, Dad and I are best friends now. I totally forgive him for all of that. It's like, no. <laughs> it's, it, it could be months, it could be years before he eventually forgives his father. I'm just saying, like, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. He's taking steps forward. He's going and, back and, and we, remembering what, what words his mother told him. The same words that Deku kind of said, that you kind of, if you want to be a hero, you have to be your own hero. You don't have to be your father. We and see then, the first steps of that is um, yeah. he goes to visit his mom for the first time in years. For the yeah. first time since she scarred him. Oh, oh yeah. Then. The takeaway here is that uh, Todoroki is on the road to good mental health and we all love and support him. <laughs> I love and support him in every way possible. He is the best. Personally, I love the phrasing of the dub where um, 
sort of like this idea of he needs to be his own hero and not be someone in opposition to Endeavor, not be another Endeavor. Deku says, um, it's your it's your quirk, not his. I just I like I love the uh, the way that that's phrased. Okay, so the most important part of a conversation involving uh, Hiroaka, waifus <laughs> and her bandos. Yes. I think it's well established at this point that uh, Mei Hatsune is a uh, best girl uh, yes. for uh, ad, ad mech powers. I think you mispronounced Mia. Um, that's weird. Hey, <laughs> hey, it's only one. Okay, I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Tell, tell us your list. I'm curious. Okay, so Are I you have just name all of the characters. No, it's not. I have a very specific list, other than the few that I highlighted that I absolutely abhor. Um, so May is definitely on best girl list, um, just because all around I appreciate her charisma and the fact that she sells herself. She knows her niche. She's great at it, one hundred percent. I would definitely have her support. Um, I want to say Suyu also, just because I like her character design. I know that she's supposed to be, you know, she's well, she's frog girl. But I mean, I kind of appreciate. She's so charming. Yeah, I, I just, I find her very charming. I find her very quirky, and but in a quirky way that, you know, it's it's kind of adorable. She is she is her best self. Best girl definitely would have to be. I like Jiro. Kyoko. Jiro. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, just like her because she just reminds me of like all around tough tomboyish. I know it's a trope, but I like her as well. I love her too. And her quirk yeah. is awesome. Jax. Yeah. I love them. Unfortunately, my true answer, we didn't get to her in the reading yet. So uh, part two. Uh, look forward to it um for what we did get through though uh i've already said may yeah. a thousand times but uh, also also midnight and uh and i she's a trash pick but mountain lady <laughs> Mount, mountain lady's pretty great she's great yeah <laughs> she's, she's an awful person she's she's a thought and i love it <laughs> gotta hurt those assets guys gotta get that free got my wallet it's free <laughs> she's pleased to make your ass acquaintance <laughs> she knows her market and she just is, is she's yes city because she wanted people to know she's beautiful <laughs> double cheeked up on a thursday afternoon the sun's still out hella ass she's a welcome thought yes <laughs> that was a that was a good pun. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'll I'll go. Uh. Obviously, uh, best boy out of all the boys is Yuga, because he is just always in the background, living his best life. Because apparently, that's what makes a good character. You all just simped on um, Suyu for. But apparently, <laughs> when it applies to Yuga, that's not true. But no, he, I just like him because he's always doing his dynamic poses and he's got the looking good part of being a hero down pat, <laughs> which, according to All Might, is just as important as being a good hero. To be fair, yeah. the point he was making when he said that was inspiration is a big part of being a hero, yeah, which and Yuga's very inspirational. Yeah, he's not. He did not inspire me in any way. <laughs> I kind of like Mineta. Uh but not like in a he's a good person in any way, but like, I think he fills a niche. And I don't he's better than everyone in class 1B, 
by nature of the system. He beat 15 incredibly competent people and everyone in the general studies course. Like, he's there to prove a point that it really just matters how good your quirk is because he's got insanely good quirk. I feel like a better crafted character could be equally hateable. Well, hold on. You also can't hate Mineta because Mineta's the one who tricked all the girls to get the costume change into cheerleader outfits. That's true. That is true. But see, that's what I'm saying. Sam, cut out everything they said. <laughs> I, I, so yeah, uh, best girl, I got to go with Mia just from like design wise, because I really like her design. And um, uh, I think she's supposed to be a slug. I, I never really got. She's an alien. Oh, yeah, really? she's an alien is her or the, like an alien aesthetic. Oh, cool. So that's why she can shoot acid. And that's pretty cool. But um, I think character wise and obviously from what we read is what we've got to go on. Um, uh, what's creation girl? Because I really like her. Uh, She's Yazirozu. Got... Yeah, Yazirozu. I really like because her quirk is really good and she can create things. And also uh, wardrobe wise really hates wearing shirts. But... Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think she fits the niche along with Invisible Girl. Actually, both of them are pro heroes who quirk is really not immediately combat relevant. So a lot of what they do is something realistically a quirkless person could be almost as good at. And I really love that aspect. In other words, they kind of are like a support they could be in a support role. I mean, she could fashion. I don't, I don't think she tools. wants to be in a support role. She very much wants to be. I know she wants to be a hero, but what I'm saying is like her quirk could also be included in being one of those who are a crafter or. I, I mean, yeah, realistically, she's probably one of the people who could actually make more money not being a hero by going mm -hmm. into like the manufacturing industry just with how powerful her quirk is. But she wants to be a hero. But yeah, those are my favorites. All right. And finally, Jacob. So for me, call me basic, but best boy is Deku. I love Deku. <laughs> uh, he's he's just so damn earnest. And in a lot of ways, he is the person that I aspire to be, which I think if Deku were a real person, he'd probably appreciate that. Um, but I just like... He's the kind of person I wish I was. Um, and best girl for me, I, I think I mentioned before, is Yoyo Rozu. Part of it is stuff I know from like later stuff with her character arc, but just... Um, she, like, she's, like, she's smart. She's, um, she's smart. She's talented. I gotta say, it's... It's more that I find the comment hilarious, but like um, Jiro making the comment about when um, Yao Yorozu makes the uh, insulated blanket and she's like, you're having a wardrobe malfunction. It's like, I'll deal with it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just matter of factly, you're having a wardrobe, a slight wardrobe malfunction there. We are being attacked by villains. I will handle it later. <laughs> I will deal with this later. Uh, did I go for my husband as? I don't think. I, uh, I don't think you did. I think you just did waifus. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So my all-time favorite, I have to say my first, is Todoroki. No surprises there. He's just all around, has the tragic backstory, has super powerful quirk. I really look forward to this character's growth in the future. Um, all around, just great person. Um, second, I would have to say is Shinzo. Don't know too much about him, but I really kind of, I like his quirk. But I also like how, you know, cavalier he is about the fact that the system isn't necessarily fair. I look forward to seeing how he pops up in the future um, and, you know, what criticisms he pulls forth with how he wants to, you know, pursue his goal of becoming a hero. A lot of a lot of my husbandos are actually about I, I, I enjoy the momentum that their quirk and their backstory has that kind of propels them through the plot. Um, I also kind of grew on me. It's kind of strange, but I also like Tokuyami. Hmm. That I can't really quantify, but he just seems... I like his quirk, but I also just like how headstrong he was, especially what really drew my focus was during the Calvary challenge of how everyone was kind of distancing themselves from Deku, but, you know, was he was just kind of like, I don't want to say all on board, but he was okay with joining Deku's team. Like, he wasn't like, oh, I can't absolutely, absolutely not. I can't be with you because you have a target on your back. He was just like, no, I'm down for being on this team. I'm kind of flattered that you choose you chose me kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. In a weird way, I definitely appreciate him. He's He's a hero. Tokuyami is my favorite as well. Um, second, and Bakugo oh, is just rage puppy because yeah. I just I just love him. <laughs> Close second for me after Tokuyami is uh, Kirishima because he is just the broest bro in the entirety <laughs> of One A. It's true. Anyone who can be Bakugo's friend is a saint by default. Yes. <laughs> Kill and, you. Yeah, sure. You too, buddy. <laughs> and and I I. I have a I, I like his uh, simple but effective quirk. He and become hard punch good. No get hurt. And it is an infinitely deep well of dirty jokes. And uh, that just that <laughs> yes. just complete that completes the character for me. And of course, there's there's the uh, epic rivalry between uh, between him and, him Tetsu, and Tetsu, Tetsu, Tetsu. Yeah, <laughs> Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Yes, because they are exactly the same. <laughs> they, yep. keep, they keep complaining about how the other one is stealing their spotlight because you have the same quirk as me. You stole my stick! <laughs> Fight to a draw and then settle who won with an arm wrestling match off screen. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a good place to end it. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Overmanga cast and our ridiculousness. Uh, next week is going to be a real treat for Jake. <laughs> We're reading Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> there are 13 There are thirteen years worth of my life of backstory that is going into how much I'm going to enjoy him suffering. <laughs> enjoy it. Look forward to it. So excited. Oh. If you, yeah. <laughs> want to, if you want to read along with us, then uh, we are going to be doing chap. Well, basically the entire thing because it's super freaking short, but we're going to be doing uh, chapters one through 42, which is the entirety of the Tournament of Power. Uh, get ready to unleash uh, the power of Ultra Instinct. 
Uh, thank you all for listening. Remember to uh, subscribe and review the podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Matt, what's that? Over MangaCast. Uh, basically, we'll get the reading list and uh, any just funny clips any of us found that uh, it's pretty much just shit posting. Yeah, our Discord is flooded with uh, screenshots of particularly humorous parts of the mangas. And if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get to be privy to those. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good night, everybody. Yep. Good See night. you next week. <laughs> <laughs>